ride, psychology nerds, and welcome to Psychology Stuff, the podcast out of Phoenix Studios at the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. I'm Ryan Martin, one of the hosts of Psychology and Stuff, and I'm here as always with my co-host, chair of the UW-Green Bay Psychology Program, Dr. Georgina Wilson-Dungess. How's it going, G? I am great. So um, today we are talking about humor, and I am so excited that I also um, have to use a different computer now. And it allows me to do these Zoom, uh, Zoom sort of whatever filters. And so today, yep, I just took your picture. I want to share that for the people at home, the new Zoom filter. <laughs> I, I perhaps will um, not keep this on all the time, but I'm so excited. I've been having so much fun like with these filters. I can be a unicorn. I can have ski goggles. Like the opportunities to um, engage my students is just skyrocketed. Um, yeah, so they're, I think that they're laughing with me, but they're really not. They're laughing at me and I know that, but it's okay. <laughs> for, for the record, I have always thought of you as a unicorn. So this doesn't change that at all. Um, Aww, you're just so accurate. sweet. That's accurate. <laughs> so, so we, uh, we, so this episode, we are recording in February, an episode that is dropping on April Fool's Day. So many of our listeners are in the midst of pranks, right? So I'm curious, right out of the gate, do you like, do you like pranks? Me? I, do I like pranks? No, I hate pranks. Uh, I, am, I am a prank hater. And um, so maybe we will talk with our special guest today about <laughs> our pranks actually funny so i'm so excited um for you to introduce um our our special guest in a minute but first uh oh oh yeah. i didn't know we were there yet kelsey kelsey how's it going going great you like pranks kelsey <laughs> no i i am not uh i've been told that i'm not funny so <laughs> i don't like any of that stuff um, although I was supposed to be born on April Fool's Day or April 1st. So that would have been like a prank in itself, right? Wow. Very well, nice. I was born the, on February 28th, which means my birthday is a few days after when we're recording this. But that was like almost a, it was a leap year year. And so like a couple hours later, and I could have been the biggest joke. Like I could have been a yeah. quarter of my age right now, which was <laughs> phenomenal <laughs> this is exciting because i was actually supposed to be born on christmas and yeah. instead i was and so my name if i had been a girl was going to be holly for that Aww. reason so you know kelsey you could have been uh, april i suppose um <laughs> and um, wow. yeah and georgina wow. i'm not sure what you what you call someone born on leap year that sounds like a joke but it's yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Leap. Yeah. We're gonna call you Leap. Um, <laughs> so Kelsey has been doing amazing work for us on Psych and Stuff on social media. Please, please, please check out her work. It's at Psych and Stuff. She's on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Virginia, I think we should get to our guest. Yes. Awesome. So she is a professor of management in the Donald J. Schneider School of Business and Economics at St. Norbert College. 
She received her PhD in management science from UW-Milwaukee and teaches leadership, organizational behavior, and, and strategy. Her dissertation research examined leaders' use of humor and the effects on followers' creative performance and satisfaction. It's Dr. Lucy Arndt. How's it going, Lucy? Oh, man, you know, I could, I'm living the dream like so many other people. <laughs> yes. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I can't remember if you told our viewers that it's um, 8, 19 a.m. I did not. <laughs> no, this is an early morning uh, one for us. So, uh, yeah. So this is what artificial cheer looks like. <laughs> I'm good. I'm excited. Now, of course, I'm, whatever time it would be great. Well, no, that's not true. 630 would have been yeah. impossible, really. Yeah. I feel like would have been midday for Ryan. Well, I mean, it would yes. have been a, it would have been in PJs. Yeah. I mean, I I would be looking like my coworker over there who is um he's uh, he's, he's relaxed. Let's well, we'll just go with that. Two days ago, I was bragging to Georgina because I managed to sleep until seven thirty one day, um, which honestly for me is makes me think that maybe I'm depressed. <laughs> because <laughs> the idea of me being able to sleep that late is incredible. This morning, to counter that, I woke up at 4.30. So this is, oh, yeah, yeah, and I just decided at one point, it's not happening. I'm not falling back to sleep. So I get it. It's going to get up. But Yeah, I'm up every day by six. Um, but my normal rule is uh, no talking. Yeah. That's to me. <laughs> until... <laughs> until necessary and necessary could be almost any time of the day, but not <laughs> right. Not early. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty honored that you, uh, you selected this time as necessary to spend time with us. And well, of course. Talking, like, talking Favorite and people. <laughs> Favorite people. I have to tell a, um, oh, a, no. a funny story of Lucy and I share, um, share uh, a love of um, catered meatballs. And it's a, a strange, uh, a strange passion that we share. And so when uh, Lucy used to be a professor at UWGB and we would go to these leadership award um, ceremonies and there were always these awesome meatballs. And the last one that we went to together um, we actually ate the last remaining two meatballs using the giant catered serving spoons. And it was like a glorious, it was a moment. We, we shared a moment. Over we have photographic proof yes. of our shared affection for these protein nuggets because it's all about the protein. There, it wasn't about, you know, like they tasted good. I mean, we were just doing it to build muscle and you know, uh, keep our brain working. Yes. Uh, somehow. Absolutely. And then you can see it worked, <laughs> yes. obviously. So all the other things you might read about diets, blah, 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 things for your brain, just eat meatballs. Yeah. In gravy. They're in gravy, right? They were in some kind of like barbecue sauce. I thought probably some salty. Oh yeah. Yeah. Preservative <laughs> of some. Anyway. I have a video. Happens of me from a few years ago pretending to eat, well, not pretending, eating a meatball, but eating it like it was a hand fruit, like it was an apple. <laughs> um, and as a, as a joke, and what people don't know is that I choked on it 
Oh, no. so the, vid the video actually could have captured the last moments of my life. And, and so every time I see it, I think, oh, that was really, that was really funny, but I almost died. It, it wasn't worth it for the joke. No. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. speaking of jokes, and that was a dynamite yes. segue by me, things are really- Beautiful, well um, played. Yeah. Well, tell me about the dissertation. I, I want to talk oh, more about, or start there. Must we? Did you want, <laughs> I, you know, if I'd have known, I could have brought the brick over to show you. <laughs> Um, because of course, like many other folks, I got a printed copy that of I've course. never looked at. Um, I think I actually, I think I also got one that I gave to my parents, sort of a here now, yeah. see, somebody thinks I'm smart. <laughs> here's, a, here's a thing. Here's a thing. Anyway. So when I did, when I had to choose my dissertation topic, um, I, I, you know, I was in management science. Uh, my uh, dissertation advisor uh, was Mark Money, who's currently the chancellor at UW-Milwaukee. And awesome guy, awesome uh, shout out to Mark. And I told him pretty early on that of all the things I could study, uh, I was super interested in studying humor. And, uh, you know, we had some pretty serious conversations about this, in part because uh, this may or may not surprise you, but but studying something like humor when one is in a business program uh, can be perceived as frivolous, as, as not, as, you know, it's not like strategy for, you know, um, international organizations. It's not that kind of a topic. What I told him was, I, the reason I was interested in humor is that it's an everyday thing that affects regular people. And I wanted to study something that I thought, you know, as I learned more about the subject and ultimately published some things on it, it would be helpful to regular people. And in fact, you know, I've done a lot of, uh, I don't even know how many presentations on humor since. And I always ask the question, how important is humor to you? And every single time people say, I couldn't live without it. I couldn't live without it. So what I, what I studied, I, it was a big study. I looked at how leaders use of humor, different kinds of humor, affects their followers. And I, I was particularly interested in how it might influence followers' creativity and also their satisfaction. And I had, uh, I had a great site uh, that worked with me. Actually, it was Bellin, uh, which is located here. And, and what made that so cool is Bellin comprises its hospital, its psychiatric, its clinics, its, I mean, it's, it's all kinds of, and I had an amazing participation rate, like 80%. It was just crazy. And I, I had uh, data from leaders and from their followers. This, uh, this, oh, oh, the statistics, Georgina. Oh, it was just, it was so sexy. <laughs> I spent so many, uh, anyway, uh, I'm getting off topic. But, but the bottom line, the bottom line, uh, what I discovered is that in fact, there are particular types of humor that positively influence followers in terms of their overall performance, their creative performance and their satisfaction. Uh, not all kinds of humor. So there are, there are some distinctions that are critically important, uh, but it, it, and you know, significant, significant impact. And, and, you know, I did a lot of reading obviously to try and understand and explain those results, but yeah, that's what I, that's what I did. Can you tell us a little bit about the types of, of sure. humor? Like yeah, I, absolutely. I, I 
Kelsey, our fabulous intern, uh, shared that people have told her that she's not funny. And I totally disagree with that from my interactions with her. And so I wonder, like, is humor the same for everyone? And what are the types sure. of humor? Yeah, well, that's an awesome question, right? And uh, first of all, there's, there's producing things that other people might perceive to be humorous. And then there's you yourself perceiving things to be humorous. So, you know, I, I suspect that Kelsey is actually quite funny and may not realize it. And so anyway, types of humor. There, there's the kind of humor that's, first of all, if we just talk about positive versus negative, there's positive, negative. There's positive directed toward others. By the way, that's called affiliative humor. And that's the jam if you're looking to positively influence other people, okay? It's, it's where you're trying through the use of positive humor to help other people, you know, make their day better, uplift their mood, help them to see that, you know, maybe something that right now feels pretty dark, actually there's the potential for positive and so on. So that's, that kind of humor is fantastic. That's the stuff that we share, that we all laugh, where we're not laughing at somebody and we're not, we're not trying to prove that we're better than them. There's also the kind of humor that's they call self-enhancing. It's for us, and you know, it's when we watch a a puppy being adorable and maybe falling all over itself. And it's sort of funny and we giggle and we're not necessarily sharing that out with other folks to help them, but it, it helps us. And then there's the negative stuff. The obvious negative is aggressive humor, which is where things like pranks uh, or many pranks, not all, but many pranks fit and scatological humor, the stuff with uh, talking about bodily functions. Hopefully you pick up on that, okay? I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean? Can you elaborate? Uh, the kinds of jokes that six-year-olds like a lot, okay? And 45-year-olds. I was going to say, sometimes six-year-olds occupy much older bodily forms. Um, and then um, sexist humor, all the blonde jokes, all, the, all, all those things are considered aggressive humor because their objective is to make fun of, to to laugh at, for the, for the teller of the joke or the story to put themselves in a position superior to that other person. That kind of humor not only doesn't make people feel good about themselves, it actually closes them up and significantly reduces their um, creative ability. The, the last one that's negative is self, what, we, what, a lot, what regular folks typically call self-deprecating. Uh, self-denigrating. And this one usually catches people off guard because we've all been sort of socialized to think that, you know, it's okay. You, you tell something about your, you kind of make fun of yourself and that ingratiates you with folks. And it, and it does if you do it once. If you continue to do, if, if your humor style, producing humor is all about making fun of yourself it irritates other people because it, it comes across as fishing for compliment. No, no, you're not stupid. No, no, you're, you know, and people get tired of that. And so the advice of course is, yeah, you don't need to use that. You don't need to make fun of yourself in order to lighten other people's mood. And in fact, it really just comes across as kind of sad and pathetic. Uh, again, one, toss it out as a starting point in a speech, let's say, fine but to continually do it, yeah, not so great. 
it's funny because I think about I think about a lot about social media and how people use humor on social media and, and sometimes like there's a there's a genre of on social media of sort of the joke about how I'm unable to function in the world without X, Y, or Z or at all, you know? And and it's one of those sort of genres that I, I think sometimes I think is funny, but not very yep. often. I think a lot of times Agreed. I just get tired of it. Like I, I don't yep. necessarily wanna like think about how my friends aren't capable. Like that isn't right. a, you know, that that isn't a message. And so all of those sort of jokes about needing like alcohol to get through the day or needing coffee to get through the day, they can be funny sometimes, but just done too often. I sort of feel like it, like you said, it just, it just makes me a little sad. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, some of it is one of the purposes of humor. One of the things that humor does is that it helps us to bond with other people because when we laugh about the same thing, now we know we have something in common. And, and so there's that aspect of it. There's that sort of cognitive aspect of it. Of, oh, we know we have this in common. And there's also the affect aspect where it's, oh, we're, we're both laughing. And laughing, as you know, is contagious. Um, my youngest son and I were just talking about this. He, he, his, one of his goals in life is to be a stand-up comedian. And what he's discovered is that in classrooms, for example, with people wearing masks, it's hard to get the kind of laughs that one mm -hmm. might typically because we're not seeing each other smiling and laughing. And, and so we're, we're less likely to, to bust out that laugh, right? I mean, it's the, it's, the, it's the phenomenon of being in the movie theater surrounded by other people and something funny happens on the screen. So you're laughing because you're all laughing versus sitting at home by yourself mm -hmm. because I you're lonely and, and, you know, you, and something's funny, but you may not, you may not actually laugh. Mm -hmm. I, I actually, it's funny you say that because for the longest time, you know, when I hear people talking about, um, you know, how uh, they miss seeing action movies in a theater. Um, yeah. I actually, I mean, I, I get that. I actually miss comedies more mm. because I enjoy the camaraderie of a crowded exactly. theater laughing together at, um, at, at a joke. Some of the most fun, I mean, it, it's funny because a movie that I absolutely loved in the theater, which by the way, I'm certain is terribly problematic and I probably shouldn't have thought it was funny, was the movie Hitch. And I saw it on Valentine's Day and I saw it with my wife and it was a crowded theater and it was so funny and people were laughing and I had such a good time. I bought it afterwards and I've not watched it since. <laughs> there was, there was yeah. something about- I get it. You know, the, the context that made it great. I get it. Um, and in, in a way that it probably wasn't great, but you're right, it's that contagion piece. Well, you know, the, the extreme of that is the Rocky Horror Picture Show, right? right. And people go and, and, and it's a movie, but, but we participate. Right. And, and, you know, the very first time I saw that in a movie theater and saw all this, again, like, like any other opportunity where we're bonding around people, it's, it, we feel physically energized and mentally more. And this is the cool, the cool thing about humor. In order to get a joke, particularly, or a story that's funny, especially one that's got some sophisticated uh, aspects to it, you, you have to be smart. And, and, it, and getting the humor is a way of opening your mind. And this is, that's the connection to creativity, right? As you, as you open your mind, as your mind is open to think about, oh, wow, I never thought about it, right? That's the punchline. The punchline is the unexpected thing. Oh, wow. I never thought about that. Well, now, now your brain is doing, oh, what, what else could I be thinking about? It's amazing.
humor is a great tool for that sort I of thing. I think about that like with the creation of memes or like mm -hmm. a string of puns that I will see, like someone will start a, a punny conversation that will keep mm -hmm. and people will keep making puns. I think that um, sometimes that the social media humor like hits you right because um, if you're in the place where you can receive it and understand it and also contribute something more to it. And so Kelsey asked a question in the chat about um, like things on social media about adulting, like adulting is hard and adulting is tiring and, and whatever. And I, I don't find those things particularly funny, but I think that in the context of a, of a, you know, like an 18 to 24 year old, maybe I would think that they're hilarious and I could contribute more memes to that or more puns to that. What's that sort of snowball thing? Well, you know, again, it's, it's, it comes from this place of, we see something that's intended to be funny. We, we find it funny. So now, now our brain goes to, oh, oh, that reminds me of something else. And then, and then maybe you should, and you know, presumably you're, you're corresponding with people you already maybe have something in common with. Of course, this can also happen when you're just responding to some random thing that, you know, a friend posts that from a group or whatever, whatever, but you kind of go, oh, oh, it's, it's, it's the, it's the brainstorm, the true brainstorming where you're really firing off ideas. And again, and especially where people don't feel constrained, where they don't feel as the, the cool thing about um, media is that social media in particular is you're less concerned about how do I look while I'm saying or thinking this or typing this thing. Um, we don't, because there's a disconnect between the time we throw it out there and the time that people like it or whatever they do, that we don't, we don't necessarily have the time to think about, oh, I wonder if people are judging. I wonder if people are judging me. So we just, we just throw stuff out, right? And, and, then, it, and then it escalates, right? Because people become more and more creative. I, I'm a big fan of memes, but you know what you're talking about, Georgina, is all about um, not everything is funny to everybody. And that has everything to do with the same, the same way we perceive anything, right? What are our previous experiences? Uh, what are our values? What are our expectations? Um, you know, for example, uh, use of profanity doesn't bother me. It really bothers some people. And no matter how a joke or funny story might be constructed, if it uses profanity for some people, that's just a, it's a non-starter, right? And there are kinds of humor that for me are non-starter. Um, uh, uh, one genre uh, is again, sort of the pranking, uh, the, the, all of the, the funniest home video stuff yeah. doesn't yeah. do it for me. And, and, here's the reason with one of the theories about humor is called incongruity theory. And it, and it says that what makes something funny is the unexpected. So you're, you're telling a story or you're telling a joke and it's going this way. And so everyone's brain is going here, it's going here, it's going here. And then boom, the, the, you drop the line, you know, the punchline or whatever. And it takes, and it's like, Whoa. And then, ah, you know, our reaction is to laugh. Um, 
but the secret to good positive humor that that relies upon that incongruity is that we know nobody gets hurt we know that there is no actual negative consequence no meaningful negative consequence well you know when i see some of those so-called funny uh videos you can tell some of those people are they're getting hurt they're getting hurt sometimes the camera's still rolling and we see the person get hurt okay that to me again it violates the basic rule but but there'll be some people who'll be like ha they still Mm-hmm. They still find that funny. Um, it's actually a very mean kind of humor. Um, well, I think, and, yeah, oh, no, I think, um, you know, I, so I, I, I actually, one of the things we've talked about before that we share in common is that when I was in graduate school, I did some work on humor as well. And, and it wasn't my dissertation, but it was just a thing I researched. But for me, it was actually its use in, in counseling. And one of the things that I've come to realize is the role that, I mean, you use the phrase, the word edginess, um, mm-hmm. but the, the role that it plays in that, because I think it's, people want their humor, most people want their humor to be a little bit edgy. The problem is that people have vastly different thresholds for what is and is yes. not edgy. And so exactly. for some people, you know, and I'll use myself as an example, back when, when The Onion was doing a lot of videos and things like that, I used to find some of them really funny even when they got kind of dark, because mm-hmm. I saw them as being sort of intent, harmless in that no one was getting hurt, but intentional sort of subverting of, of tropes, mm-hmm. you know, in a very clever way. So when they do things like, um, my example is, you know, uh, I guess m- most monkeys will die from being stabbed or something like that was a video, like new research finds most monkeys will die from being stabbed, you know. To me, that was sort of a subversion of, of research in the news mm-hmm. and how they handle research and things like mm-hmm. that. But of course, that's horrible, right? It's a horrible, oh, yeah. horrible thing. And you know, and, I, and so I would show it to my students as an example, like, where are you on this continuum? Uh-huh. And some students found it really, really offensive. Yes. And some students found it like, found it funny, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so that, that edginess barometer is really, I think, in a lot of ways, the, the predictor of when we find things to be offensive in some For ways sure. or part of it. Yeah. And again, there are some things, uh, let's take sexist humor as a, as a good example, which for the most part, I don't find funny. However, every once in a while, there will be something that sort of resonates and I was like, oh yeah okay okay that's that's kind of funny that's kind of funny and but but more often than not it would be something that maybe talked about women that i i see in myself right that that okay this is me and I, I can't necessarily give you a good example of this but for the most part you know when i when i hear that kind of you know story or a joke about that i think nah that's not funny but certainly there are people who find it hilarious. But you know, th- this is also a good place to talk a little bit about dark humor, right? Um, and the conditions under which that is perceived as okay and funny. And uh, well, Ryan knows because we participated in an event where this, this was the focus of what I talked about. And for, for some people in some professions, for example, or even for any number of people after a particular event, dark humor is the thing that helps us cope. It, it's like so far over here that it makes the reality that we're having to deal with, which is awful, let's say, right? It makes it a little bit more 
palatable. We can manage that. It, that, that way out here thing helps us to manage our emotion around this. For example, there are so many quarantine jokes, so many COVID. I'm, I'm doing a, a program actually later today, putting my two research interests together, humor during a pandemic, during a disaster. I mean, this is like, I would just say this and this will come across awful, but what a time for me to be alive, okay? Because this is like, it just all comes together. And, and it, you know, uh, this is something that nobody alive has ever had to deal with something so extreme, so discombobulating. It's a 360 degree disaster affecting every aspect of our lives. And so of course there's humor, right? And, and all different, uh, all different, mostly things that I would classify as affiliative, but some of it is pretty dark. And if you were to chat up people who are, um, you know, healthcare workers having to deal with the tragic consequences of this, of this um, pandemic, you know, the average person might think, oh, they would never joke about this stuff. False. They are joking about it hard. And the reason they are is because they're having to deal with the actual life and death consequences over and over and over daily, right? And can, I don't think most of us, not in those in professions like that, can even imagine. It, it, we can't even get close to, to what it must be like. And in order for those people to sort of rebalance their psyche, they, they need to get dark, right? So firefighters, police officers, you name it. Every, every major national, international uh, disaster ever, there are jokes and stories. And again, it has everything to do with, you know, people just going, wow, this is so horrible. Okay, here comes the joke. Yeah. I think it, it's also worth noting that they understand that their audience for it is a safe audience. Yes. Too, right? They know who they're telling the joke to. Exactly. When I, when I think about some of the times, the, the best example I can think of right now is when Tina Fey did the sheet caking skit on Saturday Night Live yes. a few months ago as a way of coping with the Trump presidency. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a, a that was a, in a way a version of some sort of dark humor. Like, okay, we're dealing mm -hmm. with a real political crisis, and yeah. we're going to deal with it by eating cake. And but you know, and I thought it was funny, but she was panned for it by many people yes. who say you're not taking this crisis seriously enough, right. you do that because you're privileged and so on. And, oops, and, I, and I suspect that was because the, the, it was too broad an audience. That's a joke yes. that works when you know your audience is safe. It exactly. doesn't work when your audience is America. Audience is key. Yep, my oldest son is an officer in the Navy and he, he has shared with me, you know, he's shared with me some of the things that are exchanged in their media with each other. And he said, mom, I can't even, I know that you study humor, but I can't even tell you some of the things because you, you just, as a civilian, you would be appalled. Um, again, they, they're being trained to operate in life and death. And so for that, it's the appropriate audience for the average, no. Right. You know, when I, when I was younger, there was, a, there was a genre of jokes, truly horrible, dead baby jokes. Yeah. You know, do, have you heard of this? I remember, I, I, remember yeah. these, yes. I mean, talk about taking a taboo top. I mean, this is, this is one of the ways that people deal with taboo, right? We, we, we try to present it in a different light. 
we try to make light of it. And that helps us deal with the fact that babies die. And yeah. it's terribly sad and awful, but it happens. It's part of the human condition. Yeah. I wonder if they just to change the, the topic a little bit, it, that this is dropping on April Fool's Day. And I wonder if you have any thoughts about like, why is it that like we call the funny people the fools or like they, they're always like the sidekicks, you know, like they're, they're, they're the foolish joker kind of characters. Why are they always humorous um, in that there's, way? Okay, that's awesome. That's a, I love that because there's, an, there's actual history associated with this. So the idea of the court jester, um, this, is, this has everything to do with how can we speak truth when the truth is difficult, when the truth is painful, when the truth is something that someone in a power position maybe doesn't want to hear. You know, we're familiar with the concept of, you know, uh, shooting the messenger, right? The person who shares bad news is often seen as not only the bearer of that bad news, but maybe even responsible for that bad news. Well, knowing that this is sort of a human thing we do, court jesters came into prominence and therefore more also out in the rest of the community because they can do this. They can say something that's true, that's maybe painful. And then they can say, no, I'm just kidding. And <laughs> the, the person who hears it has to accept it that way. So now they've heard the truth. They've heard, they've, they've heard the, at least as the, the jester, the joker, the fool perceives it, they've heard, they've had to hear the truth. They've had to take it in, but they can't be angry with or punish the bearer of that news because I was just kidding. And can't you take a joke? And, and by the way, that's, that's also something that people who are using aggressive humor often say as a way of, of further dumping on their victim, right? You say, well, you can't take a joke. Um, well, no, because you're being an asshole. I'm sorry. I don't know if the <laughs> podcast allows this, but um, that's all right. Um, but that's that's the origin of this, right? It's all about truth telling, and and the and and you know one of the one of the characteristics of being human is that some of the truths we have to share with people are difficult for them to hear, and and humor is sort of a, it's sort of like a spoonful of sugar, right? It's sort of the and so we have this person who acts the fool who in fact is perhaps the most savvy person in the room, uh, who, who is able to speak truth. And that's why, you know, you'll be in a meeting and somebody will say something and then they'll kind of ha ha ha, but they've just dropped some important truth <laughs> or the ha ha. It's a, it's a way of smoothing that potentially conflictual dialogue or, you know, situation. There is an amazing. Open to know more about, but yeah. There, there is an amazing video floating around on Twitter right now of a gamer and she is someone, someone that she's playing with asks her what color her thong is and she uh, unloads on this person appropriately, I think. Uh -huh. um, yeah. And then he says at one point, can't you take a joke? And her, <laughs> her response is so perfect. She says, that's not a joke. Right. Can you imagine? a stand-up comedian, I think she, she uses John Milani as an example. Can you imagine him just pointing at an audience member and asking that? Would anyone think that was a joke? And it was because I think to your point, 
people oftentimes will try and use that fool yep. approach to get by, away with saying something that's yes. just gross or dumb or mean. Yep. Um, yep. And to see someone actually call someone on that is beautiful. quite lovely. Yeah, that's beautiful. And again, it's abusive, right? That that all of that. It's what I was talking about earlier is aggressive humor. Mm -hmm. Right. The whole point of it is to make someone else feel small, to prove to them that you've got something over them and then to follow it up with the, can't you take a joke? Right. Or I was just kidding. It's like bullshit. You were not kidding. You just, you're just using that to, to give you cover, right? Own, own your, own your right. hostility, man. Right. Or so woman. As, as we finish up here, good point. I, I don't know actually, but so as we, uh, as we finish up yet uh, here, what, um, what have we missed? Is there any sort of final thoughts on humor that you wanna make sure people know? There's one thing that I think is, is important for people to know. And I wanna, I wanna track back to Kelsey's comment earlier about perceiving that you know, she's, she's not funny or that, uh, that sort of thing. The, the truth is being funny and having a sense of humor are, those are both skills, all right? And like, and like any skill, it's learned and it's, you, you practice and you, you, you get feedback and you hone and you do more. So if, you're, if, you, if a person wants to be funny, they have to think, of, don't think of it as, oh, I'm, you either got it or you don't. No, you, it's a skill. You work at it. You study it. And yes, you can actually study something like humor and become more funny. I mean, I don't tell jokes. I can't remember the punchline. So it's pathetic. But I know how to tell a good story and how to sort of use intonation and so on. In terms of having a sense of humor, having a sense of humor, having, well, everyone has a sense of humor. It's just how broad is that sense of humor? And, and um, I, I personally think it's good to try and, and have as broad of a sense of humor. That doesn't mean embracing aggressive humor, but, but you know, there's, there's all different kinds of humor that are still positive. A lot of it has to do with, just like anything else, being around the right people, um, being around people, hang out with people you think are funny, um, uh, and you'll continue to develop your sense of humor. Um, do things that uh, give you more opportunities to be around humor. The final thing is humor is an essential coping mechanism. And, you know, in, in something like a pandemic, we need it. But what we don't want to do is use it to harm other people because that makes things worse for everybody, including yourself. People who, are, who use aggressive humor are typically insecure, unhappy, depressed. I mean, it's almost a cry for help in some, in some respects, right? So use humor, Perfect. go find humor, go watch those puppy videos, all that stuff. It's good. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. G, should we do our positive note quick? Who, yes, we should. Who goes first? Do you remember? I think, I think it's me. I think I go first today. So um, to, we always close out our episode or most of the time we close out our episode with a positive note, um, something that ends us on a positive note, although we've been talking about humor, which is uh, <laughs> often very positive. Uh, and so we decided we were going to talk about the last 
time or a time in the recent past that we laughed out loud, that we LOL'd. And so uh, I actually LOL'd about something on social media that I saw the other day. Um, it was a video. And the reason why I found it funny is because I saw this in my own self and my, and my children. And so the context of it was very funny to me. It was a, a child, like a toddler, who asked their mother if they could have this apple and they're holding um, in their hand an onion. And it's clearly an onion. And, and the parent says, no, you can't, that's an onion. And the, the toddler's like, no, it's an apple. No, it's an onion. No, it's an apple. And so the parent says, fine, eat it. And this child just bites into this onion like it's an apple and they start crying, but they're like, I'm not backing down. And they <laughs> ate that whole stinking apple. <laughs> like Ryan was talking about um, his meatball episode. And I thought like I could see my own children doing that with me. And, and so I found it hilarious. So that was the last time That's, that I LOL'd. That was nice, yesterday. Nice. That's great. What about you, Ryan? Well, first I should tell you that my oldest son does eat onions as though they are hand fruits routinely. He just asks, can I have this onion? And he, he walks around eating it like it's an apple. Oh. Yeah. Um, I, which I- God bless him. Yeah. God bless him. Um, so I, I did this, I think we did this the same way because I realized I've laughed out loud a couple of times during this episode. So I decided to think about um, a time when I've laughed out loud when I was alone, because that is so rare for me. Ooh. And um, it was very, uh, it's, there's a guy I follow on TikTok, who uh, his name is Max the Very Good Boy. And he, um, he is hilarious. He does these really clever little skits where he plays multiple parts in the, in the skit, essentially. I don't know if he'd like me calling them skits, but they're skits, I think. Um, anyways, he, he has a series where he pitches holiday or excuse me, Hallmark movies, and he gives them really punny names, and he plays both sides of the pitch meeting for them. Um, he's got a series of about 20 of these, and I almost always laugh out loud when I watch them, but they always have these like cute punny names for things, so for the, for the movies he's pitching, so it'll be like, um, uh, you know, people like people bonding over the selling of lemonade, and then the movie is called My Main Squeeze. <laughs> or uh, neighbors, neighbors who bond over uh, their mutual love of horses, and it's called neighborly love. Um, and no. so he does a series of these, as well as other things. And I, I consistently find myself laughing out loud. So I even these are some of the few that I actually even send to people. So it's very, very good. Um, awesome. Hey, before we go, Lucy, do you have anything you want to tell people about? Where can people find you? Anything going on at Norbert's that people should know about? Uh, well, you know, there are always there are always cool things happening. I don't know. I I don't uh, I don't maintain a, a website uh, myself or anything like that. Um, but uh, you know, some folks uh, I I'll do presentations on humor in the community, and I always love having. Um, interested people in the audience. Uh, later today, I've, I'm doing a Zoom thing. Uh, this is still in February. So uh, where I've got over 150 people who are dialing in to, to learn about what I was talking about before, disasters and humor. It goes back to my main point. People, people can't live without it. It's, it's something that people, it, it, helps us, it helps us to be more human, if you will. 
and people are always interested in uh, learning more about humor. So keep your yeah. eye out for funny things like that. I was going to say, so if you live in the, in the Green Bay area, Lucy is often found in the community doing talks at various places. Check one out. They are very good. They're often funny. Um, though she doesn't Not because of jokes. me, yes. but because I, because I share memes and stuff. I mean, I'm just, I'm just like, I'm just like here, here. You, you may find this funny, but I, 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 yeah. The only jokes I remember are the ones I learned as a nine or a ten year old that are completely inappropriate for every audience. <laughs> how about how about you, G? Do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, I do not. How about you? uh sure i guess this is coming out in april i still have a book they haven't pulled it off the shelves so uh if you're interested well by at least at this point they haven't so um if you're, <laughs> you're interested in anger you should uh, hasn't gone through yet? I don't know. <laughs> um if you're interested in anger it's out there it's why we get mad um i don't know at this point if i'm doing any talks in april but i hope i am you can find out more at alltheragescience.com i keep a list of the, the events that are coming up there you can also follow me uh at anger professor on all the social media places g what's your your handle i'm at georgina wd so g-e-o-r-j-e-a-n-n-a-w-d very good. And of course, our intern Kelsey is doing, again, amazing work. Thank you for that, Kelsey. You can follow uh, Psych and Stuff on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That is a good place to ask questions, request topics for episodes, contribute to new segments, uh, things like that. So thank you both very much. Psychology and Stuff is a production of Phoenix Studios at the University of Wisconsin Green Bay. The executive producer is Ryan Martin and the production manager is Kate Farley. Our audio production coordinator is Bill Salek. Our sound engineer for this episode is Sarah Miller. Our graphic designer is Kimberly Gleese and our intern is Kelsey Engelhart. Special thanks also to our guest today, Dr. Lucy Arndt. If you haven't already, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. You can also head over to our website, uwgb.edu slash podcast, to check out past episodes of this and all our shows. I'm your host, Ryan Martin, and I'm here with my co-host, Gordina Wilson-Dungess. Keep being amazing.